Well, hello, Mary. Good morning, Erin. <laughs> Good to see you on this day. And I'm looking forward to talking with you once again, as we are sort of winding up the old podcast machine here and starting to have more conversations recorded and putting them out. I know it's a, it was a touch point for me that we, we started doing this again. Mm -hmm. uh, because as I said, in our last conversation, being underemployed at the moment, and not having enough work patterns and structures in my life, I could feel a little lost. I mm. could start going towards a depression, but I'm not. And one of the things that's helpful is I have sought your companionship uh, again, and that you and I have been studying ways of living, uh, which we call self-mastery, mastering the classrooms of our lives mm -hmm. with our certain frameworks and tools. and. Um, Anyway, it was just a touch point for me to know we were going to be talking again today and that I wasn't going to just like slop into my day oh, <laughs> because, okay. because I'm a master. I'm a master in training. <laughs> so this is it. It's giving you uh, a pattern or something to go, oh, this is what I'm doing today. Yeah. And also, as I said before, it's it's sort of akin to accountability, but um, I'm calling it companionship. I'm calling it that it's easier to be um, an aware, self-disciplined person if your good friends are nearby you also yeah. being aware, self-disciplined people and you're not all just, you know, slamming into the day and <laughs> bumping along with yeah. whatever, you know, it's, it really is already making a huge difference to me that we're. That's great. Yeah, and I will report that it's making a difference for me too. And I agree with you on this sort of line between accountability and companionship. But I think um, checking in with one another and hearing yourself, hearing oneself say, here's where I'm at, here's where I'm struggling, here's where I'm aiming my intentions, that is helpful to a person. It's, I mm -hmm. find it very helpful to me. It's sort of like putting a flag in the ground. Right. Um, yeah. Right. And having someone else quietly mm -hmm. nodding at you from a distance mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. your goals, caring, caring about your goals. Yeah. Yeah. So when we were talking last, um, one of the things that we sort of dove into and, and you you texted me afterwards and said, hey, let's talk more about that. But that is the idea that I mentioned. I, I feel like I have a backlog of grief. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, here we are, we're 18, 19 months into the pandemic. We just passed a terrible um, marker here in the U.S. with 700,000 deaths from mm. the pandemic. It's so hard to get your head around. Yeah. Yeah. And I have just been, I've been noticing lately that everywhere I look, what I'm seeing is things falling apart, things breaking down loss um and it's ending yeah whatever end yeah and i mentioned to you well and I, i'm saying i i've just been like struggling with it a little bit like what what is my relationship to that and was noticing that i kind of was avoiding it and kind of um mm, just sort of frozen to it um mm -hmm. and didn't like that didn't like that feeling so yeah let's 
you had maybe some thoughts more about when you hear somebody has a backlog of grief, what does that bring up? Yeah, for you? that really, that really rang a bell in my brain because, um, I think grief is, uh, it's such a, um, oh, what's, what's the word? It's such an ever present, uh, human situation. It's, it's kind of visiting us regularly or irregularly, or it comes in clumps or, uh, it, it comes big, it comes small, it comes next to us, it's all around us. And I don't think we've ever really been taught how to walk with grief in a way that uh, we know that it's deepening us mm. in some way. And we're not feeling like workaholic Americans saying, oh my God, I'm not getting anything done. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I'm. I just, I just lost this whole day because I was staring into space and feeling low. And I found that I learned a, a long time ago because I had kind of a series of grief uh, stories um, some years ago. And I learned, wow, you just can't make that not happen. Mm-hmm. You can't speed it up. You can't ignore it. You can't uh, pretend it's not there. And there's a way of being with it. And I I feel like probably a lot of us have a backlog of grief, as you say, because when you're in a crisis, like say you're, you know, you're a frontline health worker and you're handling death and near death every minute for 12 hours, your 12 hour shift. And it's, it's so sad and so fraught and yet you have to get up and go to work right now, the next day, where does that go? Where does that that moment of grief go when someone slips through your fingers and dies and their family is devastated or they died alone or whatever? Where did that, where does that go? You just have to get up and go to work again. Mm-hmm. And um, I think those griefs, they bide their time and then they come out when we can be with them. And I'm wondering, you know, if that's maybe what part of what you were talking about, because I know earlier on, um, last summer, last fall, you were very, very busy as a radio producer. It was so much going on. You were reporting on. You were very, very, very busy. And it was this very fraught, sad stuff happening every day. But what does Aaron do with it? You know, you have mm-hmm. to just keep showing up. I don't know. Is it like that? And now maybe you have a little bit of space to... Yeah. Yeah. I think that is, I think I do have space. And so as I'm sort of noticing how I feel, I'm more aware of it and just sort of aware, you know, of sadness leaking out (laughs) and things like that. So, I mean, this podcast that we do, and it's, it's very much about the self, the self mastery tools that you've been teaching for many years, we chose to call it rise and thrive. And, you know, we like that intention around rising and thriving no matter what. And meeting the moment to love your life. Yeah, all of that. And yet what I want to just sort of go into what is the relationship around grief and the demands of grief when you are a person who is trying to rise and thrive? I mean, they're not at odds with each other, but it like. I don't want to just rise and thrive and ignore my grief and think it'll go away. Right. I think it's different than, you know, battling your way through your day with your 
sword of will and and kind of just trying to crash along and check through your list and get things done when when grief is present and i had a little wash of it yesterday afternoon i i and i i don't know if i would have noticed it if we hadn't started this conversation i noticed yesterday afternoon for about two hours i felt sad and i was sighing and i was feeling like things are things are passing away people are passing away things are, and then and i felt tired and like i wanted to just sort of curl up a little bit and cry a little bit and kind of go into a corner and hide a little bit and this is these are all the feelings that come up for me when when grief is present and then i said oh i have a piece of grief walk washing through oh i don't even know what it's about but oh okay and so what i did was i just started breathing into it mm -hmm. i just i slowed down I slowed down my walking and I kept doing my goals of the day, which were just simple kind of outside tasks. Um, and, but I slowed down my walking so that I could breathe into that sad, foggy feeling and, and keep giving myself. It's like when you breathe into it, you're giving yourself loving attention and loving attention always is healing, even if it's from yourself to yourself. Yeah. Loving attention is what grief wants to heal. And that's mm -hmm. why when people are in grief groups, you know, uh, they're sitting in a circle saying a few a few daily life things that are so sad for them. And eight people are listening and nodding quietly. And that particular piece of grief heals. It It's almost like a digestion process. I think it 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 processes, it heals it. And you go on and so that's what I did yesterday I kind of went on and um I don't know a few hours later I noticed that I wasn't in grief that I was that I was being funny that I was laughing <laughs> and I was like you know having a little creative impulse of something and I'm like oh oh and now I'm here and, yeah. <laughs> and I just don't understand I I've been thinking about just the psyche the life of the psyche our minds our whole minds with their dimensions why do you why do you wake up some days happy why do you wake up someday sad when the same world you went to sleep with is still there yeah <laughs> it's like the psyche is is maybe some kind of a lotus unfolding its petals and i i think sometimes we have delayed grief mm. which i think maybe perhaps you're dealing with because things were things were fallen and fraught around you for months and months but you were so busy yeah maybe now you get to to breathe and stare into space and cry a little bit and slow down and and um bear witness to some of the things that have changed well i think you're on to something there and i think part of part of what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to be real with myself i'm trying to be genuine and i'm trying to not just you know detach or or ignore or numb my feelings. But I also am conscious of not wanting to just be overwhelmed. I don't want, I really don't want to be swamped. I've got things to do. I've got people to show up for. I've got projects to complete. And so, you know, that's where the, the self-mastery tools, I think really, um, you know, like I got to pull them out and go, okay, which, which, what are the tools that I need to look at right now? And, you know, it's, 
you, we've spent a lot of time and talking about forgiveness and I've helped you at workshops with forgiveness. And very often when somebody has bad, yucky feelings, you know, isn't feeling peaceful, isn't feeling whole in their life, it is a forgiveness issue. And I thought, well, is this, is there a forgiveness issue? And then I thought, I'm not, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready to, to just process this away. I I think I have to be with it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so over the weekend, I was, I, I watched a TV show and I picked one that, that, that was funny, but it was also, there was a poignancy to it and a sadness. It, I don't know if you've ever watched The Good Place, Mary. Oh, I think I saw one. It's an episode thing, right? Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's like four seasons yes, and I, yeah, it is kind of bittersweet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's essentially about people confronting their own mortality and, you know, exploring <laughs> the life, you know, what, it, what exists after life and in the afterlife and, and ex- explorations of what, you know, are you a good person? What does it take to be a good person? All these things. So you know, I got to a part and I just somehow it, it hit something in me and I started crying and you know how sometimes people say, Oh, you just need a good cry, you know? And and then people have like their, their poignant, sad movies that they'll watch and then they'll just sob. Right. And so I was (laughs) doing that and I, and, and my husband came down, he was, he was working on his laundry and, and he's like, oh dear, what's going on? You know, and he he was like, oh no, there's something, something's awry here. My wife is sitting on the on the couch, sobbing, sobbing with her Kleenex. You know, what do I have to do? And and we've I've explained this to him before, and we we have kind of a way of discussing it, but it's like I need to be with these feelings of grief. And mm-hmm. normally I think I would say, Oh, I'm gonna go take a bath and cry in the bathtub. And he'll be like, Oh, okay. <laughs> You know, and I'll sort of pre-warn him. I'm trying to get in touch with my feelings and I'm going to express them. So if you hear me sobbing, I'm okay, but I need to do this. <laughs> and this time I, I didn't pre-warn him. So I had to, in oh. the moment, go, I'm fine. I'm well, fine. But a, I'm moment, a momentary husband flash of what should I do to fix this? Yeah. Should I, how should I help her? My, my yeah. Daughter. Yeah. But I, I cried and I thought, oh, this is, it, it feels good to be expressing this but also it's like you know my head is gonna hurt and my my eyes are gonna be swollen and my nose you know it's like something about it isn't it's it's highly uncomfortable too but I just thought okay I'm gonna be with this and I you know thinking about I don't want unprocessed grief or unprocessed pain to make me sick Mary I don't, I don't want to get disease because I'm ignoring myself. So I just thought, no, I'm prioritizing looking after myself and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to feel this. And I'm trying to explain to everybody, this is what I'm doing and got a good night's sleep. And then the next day I I did, I felt a lot better. I felt more Mm -hmm. in touch with myself. I felt more um, able to just sort of look out look out at life and not just see all that was wrong, but just sort of see more of the truth of life, which is there's a lot of beauty too. Right here. Yes. So, so in other words, you took care of some of that backlog Mm -hmm. of grief. You, you made the space, you allowed it to surface, you Mm -hmm. allowed it to discharge. And um, I don't know, I, I hear this from people often, like I, when I, 
cry, I get a headache. When I cry, my sinuses are, are wrecked <laughs> for a day. Yeah. And I just think maybe you just need to practice more. <laughs> maybe she needs to cry more. She could, oh, get good at, yeah, you know, get really she, good at it. Get really good at it so it isn't like such a muscular effort <laughs> when you finally get around to it. That's <laughs> a really good point. I wonder if part of it is resistance. It's like some infighting. Like but, it's like holding back and crying at the same time. Yeah. You could experiment with that. I, I will experiment with that because I would love to be a graceful, pretty, you know, lovely crier. But oh, I, I, I'm not yeah. there now. No, it was. No, there's, there's not too many pretty criers. I can take <laughs> it from me. I've seen a lot of crying. Well, and I was wondering about that, too, because people talk about the ugly cry, you know, as the ugly right. cry really getting something done and really going there with it. Well, it's like you're not holding back your, I mean, you're letting your face contort, you're letting yourself sob deeply, you're letting yourself stream from your nose, mm -hmm. uh, you're letting yourself twitch and thrash, I mean, whatever, mm -hmm. it's it's not dainty, it's not ladylike, it's not tidy, um, <laughs> you know, but, and some people are really good at the ugly cry, they could just go to the passionate people, express, yeah. you just go there, wow, let it, let it rip, and other people are cooler in their emotional temperament yeah. and they cry they cry gently and tenderly yeah. and you know i had a friend who whenever she cries it was like one tear one like, single tear rolling down would, her she cheek would have one sob and one tear and then she was done like yeah. it's almost like it like popped out of her like popcorn with one tear one sob and poof she's done and on it like it shifted for her so she was very cool and she was always that way she's very very cerebral very cool very gentle and so i don't know i don't but i think people will heal regardless if you are an ugly crier or a dainty crier or you can hardly cry at all if you are willing to feel it in mm. your body mm -hmm. and if you're willing to breathe and attention to it and breathe, mm -hmm. give yourself attention or seek attention somehow whenever i go for a big cry i just imagine that my soul is right there like a beautiful angel standing oh. witnessing me i always i don't cry alone i i have this theory that uh crying alone will relieve you somewhat but crying with attention will heal you mm. and that particular you know batch of grief if you will moves on down because you digested it with loving attention so even if it's just paying loving attention to yourself very consciously or imagining your your spirit grandmother or your soul or your you know your higher power standing there witnessing you heal yeah uh, i think i think it's more effective that's really interesting and you know as you're describing this i'm thinking about some of the workshops that i've where I've been, you know, with you helping and, you know, early on when the, when the group is just coming together, very often, you know, people are like presenting them their best selves and um, going, what am I in for? And what am I going to go through as I learn about forgiveness or I learn about these tools and inevitably you have to instruct people about how to be with others when they're crying. If, if right. somebody in the group cries and just talk a little bit about that. Cause I, I think it's super helpful. I love that moment when, um, you know, people are coming in and they're in their social personas and they're all, you know, good students sitting down with, with their minds ready to take notes and whatever. But at a certain point when I'm introducing perhaps with a story, a personal story or a story of someone that I've worked with 
or I begin talking really from my heart about you know how difficult um, some things in life are and somebody in the group starts quietly leaking and shuddering and 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 sort of apologizing you know mm -hmm. they're like furtively taking a Kleenex and trying not to like take attention and I usually uh, I usually you know talk warmly to them about thank you for getting us started yeah Thank yeah. you for getting us started. So let's talk about here. And, and here's here's Grace helping us see that we're in a circle where feelings are welcome. So that's mm -hmm. good, Grace. Keep crying. Breathe and cry. Don't worry. We're good. And so as Grace cries, we're going to sit here, all of us sit here, and tell ourselves, this is okay. This is okay because that's only emotions. And I'm going to just look at that person a little bit with compassion and, and respect and I'm going to just keep in my space and keep feeling myself, but, you know, being in my heart and breathing and I don't have to fix her. She can just, you know, and I'll tell her, let's go ahead and keep crying, you know, and then every now and then if somebody really broke into the loud, messy cry in the circle while I'm trying to teach, I would send them down the hall with you, right? Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, would you go down the hall with Grace now? Because she's really got to let it rip and we want, we don't want to hold her back. And but yeah, you know, we're not ready to go there with with this right now. I'm teaching this thing, and you go down. Yeah, the and it's funny because you also notice in that if you're not the person weeping, um, but somebody in your presence is, you notice within yourself all all of the things that come up, like oh, I wanna I wanna help them, or oh, they're feeling bad. How do I, you know, right. how do I do this? And and you don't. It's there. It's themselves with them. But, yeah. you know, I can look around and go, is there a Kleenex handy? Okay, I'll go get Kleenex. So it's right in front of her. But it's, it, it's interesting to me that I, it's I like... have a trick I want to insert here. Oh, yeah. My trick is when when any, anyone I love is talking and they're starting to cry. Um, I start breathing deeper. Mm. I just I, I just start breathing softer and deeper and putting my attention in my heart. And I love myself to say two words to them, which is that's good. Mm. That's good. You can cry more. Go ahead cry more. And then they start crying more, you know, and every now and then I'll go, Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Mm. You can keep crying. And that's all you have to say is every so often is good. This is good. Yeah. You can cry some more if you want, you know, and, and I usually wait to hand them the Kleenex till they're looking around for it. Oh, otherwise, that's good. Yeah. Otherwise it's sort of like a little fixing moment and they feel like they should like mop up and you know, yeah. put it out. So I usually wait, I let them get all messy but then they start going, you know, and then I go get it. Aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> so letting their tears lead the process. Well, and I think why this is important is it's not just about expressing or venting sad emotions, but it is about getting to a deeper truth. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, I think often when, when tears flow somehow or other, we're, we're getting closer to our, our deeper truth, right? I think so. I don't know. And I, I once had a, a, a wonderful teacher who said, tears are love. Mm. Tears are 
stimulated by love and are opening love and are deepening love. And it's sometimes it's love for yourself, mm -hmm. part of yourself that you've lost, or it's love for a person that you've lost, or it's love for life itself or whatever, but that, that they're a process of us deepening into the heart mm -hmm. and yeah. And finding an emotion, an emotional truth, finding and, and getting and having someone bear witness to our emotional truth. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's, I like it's that. part of our walk, right? Part of our walk. And so to have a day like you had yesterday where grief was present and a backlog of grief was present, I think we can still function, but I think it, I think we need to teach ourselves to slow, mm -hmm. slow the roll and breathe and allow, you know, allow, uh, the little insight, emotional truth to bubble up and and bear witness to it or ha have mm -hmm. someone else bear witness with us. And yeah. then it will then it will process it. It will be part of our our deepening. It's the way mm -hmm. we say in the forgiveness work that we turn our wound into our wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was actually two days ago where I had this this whole crying thing. And then the day the day after that. I felt so much better. And then I, I was watching TV and there was a really great um, segment on 60 minutes with Tony Bennett, oh. who, you know, he's 94 mm -hmm. and Lady Gaga. And, what a sunny soul. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he's in, in a, his final chapter on this earth, he's got Alzheimer's and dementia and, yet he can sing. And so, the, I mean, I highly recommend going and looking up this story on 60 Minutes mm -hmm. um, because Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett had had a wonderful final concert last Aww. summer that will be aired this fall. And I was thinking about just all of the emotions that come up seeing his, his wife and Anderson Cooper was interviewing and Lady Gaga was talking and you know, seeing Tony Bennett. I cannot and what, wait to watch this. It, it's so good. Oh, but I, I was thinking, you know, if I hadn't had, if I wasn't getting in touch with my grief and allowing it, I don't know that I'd be able to watch the segment. It would be too sad for me. Oh. I would be, I would be like, oh, I can't go there. But instead, because I'd sort of opened up, I'd opened up my heart more. I'd opened up to, to the emotional truth of, you know, we're, we're collectively going through a hard time and some people are going through really hard times. Um, I was able to be with it and be with the poignancy of it. And I thought, okay, good. Yeah, this is good. Mm -hmm. So right there, I saw, I saw a flow from one day to the next, you know, that even though I had the swollen eyes and the stuffy nose and the headache from crying so hard, I, the next day I was, I was in better shape and, more real with life, more mm. real with myself. Mm. Lovely. So onward, eh? Yeah. And onward with all of us uh, present and uh, doing what's to do now. And sometimes that is breathing mm. compassionately at ourselves mm -hmm. as we find ourselves in a, in a fog or in a wistful place. Good. 
Good. Well, thanks, Mary. Yeah, this is uh, so far so good. This is helping me. So <laughs> yeah, and I want to just remind you with, um, with a thought that came to me. Um, is I, it has to do with intention and mm -hmm. the use of our will. And you've been just such a such a sparkling soldier of intention since I've known you. <laughs> you just love it. You love wielding the will towards mm -hmm. your goals. And um, and I do too. But sometimes we're in times of life where our soul takes us into just a soulful space that is very hard to focus from mm -hmm. the mind. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to, to uh, you know, make a goal come any closer, mm -hmm. you know, with our mind and our will. And what I, I was reminded of today in meditation was that, you know what, we are inside of our previous intentions mm. we are living out and in and through and for and towards previous goals you've set as a student of self-mastery. And even if you're having a time where there's a fog of grief that's making you feel less crystal-like, diamond-like mm -hmm. in your mind, you're there. You are there. You are deepening, you are opening, you are uh, becoming the person that you mean to be more and more. So uh, I just wanted to close with that thought. I love it. That's great. Yeah, that feels really true. Well, let's hang out again soon. Hey, okay. Yeah, let's do it. Um, thanks, Mary. And uh, let's not let too much time go by. And we'll just see uh, which of the self mastery tools we want to dive into next and, and keep talking, keep let's showing keep up for each other. And thank you for whoever else is with us. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye, Mary. Thanks.